Hey there, Filled With Messages listeners. I hope that you are having a fantastic day and that if you're not, that you are still able to sense God's presence with you in whatever you're going through. Our, our culture is filled with messages about who we should listen to and how we should listen to them. And there are so many things vying for our attention. But one of the things I'm not sure we actually do particularly well is listen to ourselves. Sure, we listen to the to-do list we have. We listen to the, all the little things that come and float through our minds. But do we really, truly listen to what's going on deep down inside of us? Do we acknowledge our feelings? Do we pay attention to what our body is telling us? Do we listen to the questions that are floating around in our spirit? The sermon you're about to listen to is all about that. How do we learn to listen well to ourselves? Because God listens so well to us. May God bless you as you listen in. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Except for some of us, it isn't. And for all of us, it isn't at least some of the season. Christmas time is full of so much stress. Trim the tree, make dozens of cookies, take perfect pictures of our perfectly coordinated family to send along with a letter detailing the perfection of our lives this year. With all the stress are all the spoken and unspoken expectations. This will be the best Christmas ever. Of course we'll have you over for a meal like we did last year because apparently doing something once around the holidays makes it an annual tradition. Added to the stress and expectations is family. We love them, but they have the most uncanny ability to hurt us so deeply. And for most of us, there's also some grief around the holidays. Loved ones missing from our celebrations, relationships broken, perhaps beyond repair, dreams unaccomplished or perhaps even dashed. I was on the phone with a friend last week who was totally stressing about the holidays. She was at the end of her rope with all the merrymaking she felt she had to do. She acknowledged that what she really wanted was some downtime, but then said, but God's got it. In other words, she knew she needed a break, but God wouldn't possibly give her more than she could handle, right? I hesitated before I spoke. Perhaps that's true that God does have it. But I wonder if God is using your mental, emotional, and physical exhaustion to encourage you to slow down. Maybe it's not God who's asking you to do all this stuff. Maybe it's not even your friends and family who are asking you to do all this stuff. Maybe it's you. Sadly, my friend didn't hear a word I said and continued to rush on with all of her lists. Today's scripture passage, Psalm 80, might seem like a weird choice for the Sunday before Christmas. Where's Mary, Joseph, the baby, or at least a few angels? But I think there's wisdom in the church parents' decision to place the scripture on our Advent journey. Psalm 80 allows us to acknowledge that life isn't all shepherds, sheep, and stars. Psalm 80 acknowledges that life isn't always merry and bright. Psalm 80 sits with the pain of life 
and asks God where he is in the midst of it all. Shepherd of Israel, you lead the descendants of Joseph and you sit on your throne above the winged creatures. Listen to our prayer and let your light shine for the tribes of Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Save us by your power. Our God, make us strong again. Smile on us and save us. Lord God, all-powerful, how much longer will the prayers of your people make you angry? You gave us tears for food, and you made us drink them by the bowlful. Because of you, our enemies who live nearby laugh and joke about us. But if you smile on us, we will be saved. But help the one who sits at your right hand, the one you raised to be your own. Then we will never turn away. Put new life into us and we will worship you. Lord God, all-powerful, make us strong again. Smile on us and save us. Will you pray with me? God, open our ears and our hearts and our minds to hear your Holy Spirit speaking to us now. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your eyes, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Psalm 80 is a song of lament. Lament is a pretty churchy word, certainly not one most of us use in our everyday vocabulary. A lament is a crying out of the soul. It's an acknowledgement that the world is painful, that reality is sometimes super messed up, that at times it appears that God isn't answering the phones or text or email. The primary question with a lament is how long? In Psalm 80, the how longs include how long will it take you for you to listen to us, God? How long will our prayers make you angry? How long will you give us bowls full of tears for food? How long will you allow our enemies to laugh and make jokes about us? Scholars don't entirely agree about the context of Psalm 80. They aren't sure what the psalmist is lamenting, but whatever it is, it hurts bad. It surprises some people to find such raw, brutally honest, emotional language in the Bible. Don't we need to tiptoe around God so we won't make him angry? Don't we need to stuff all our feelings and trust that God's got this? Isn't a Christian supposed to rejoice in the Lord always? The psalmist, not just the author of Psalm 80, but the authors of so many psalms amongst many biblical authors, learned that ignoring our feelings refusing to listen to ourselves doesn't strengthen our faith. It weakens it. It makes our relationship with God trite and fake. When our faith is impersonal, when it is not grounded in the reality of the complexity of human emotions, it cannot weather life's most devastating storms. God made us incredibly complex and didn't do so just so we could suffocate certain parts of ourselves. God wants us to bring all of ourselves, heart, mind, soul, and strength into our relationships with God. God cherishes all of who we are and therefore we would be wise to cherish and listen to ourselves as well. 
if we're going to be honest with God about what we're feeling, we have to first learn to really listen to ourselves. It's trickier than it seems, mostly because listening to ourselves requires quiet and stillness, neither of which are in abundant supply for most of us. But finding quiet and stillness so we can listen to ourselves isn't difficult just because these things aren't readily available. Intentionally seeking quiet requires courage, wrote one theologian. It is the courage to listen to yourself without the noise and distraction of others, without the validation of colleagues and family, without the glow of professional and personal accomplishments, and to sit in the stark, fragile reality of you. You give space for your behaviors, emotions, memories, and body to speak to you. It requires not simply quiet, but honest quiet. You must listen to what is really true about you, both the good and the bad, the heaven and the hell in each one of us. Quiet and stillness promote true listening. Often we only hear the loudest and most insistent voices, but rarely are they the whole or the heart of the matter. When my brain is screaming for caffeine, more than likely it's really my body and soul begging for rest. But ferreting out the loudest voice in my head from the most important is difficult. It's also essential and requires true rest in order for it to happen. Learning to listen not just to the urgent or most insistent takes us to the heart of true listening. Listening also requires a non-judgmental presence. We know true listening to, truly listening to others requires this, but we aren't so great at applying it to ourselves. Often when we're listening, we'll dismiss or judge what we hear ourselves saying. We tend to be our own worst critic. We might silence the anxiety in us about an upcoming family gathering by saying, why are you anxious? They're your family. They love you. So it doesn't matter if they hurt you. He would never say something like that to a friend. At least I hope not. So why are we willing to say things like that to ourselves? If you want to really learn to listen to yourself, the only way forward is to learn to ask yourself good questions. Why am I anxious about this gathering? What happened the last time we were together that might be making me worry? How have I felt when I've been getting ready for family celebrations in the past? Some people worry that listening to our emotions, particularly our fear, means that we will we'll allow our emotions to control us. But just the opposite tends to be true. If we try to stuff our fear or any feeling, it will inevitably keep us under its thumb. Acknowledging the emotions and trying to figure out what's prompting it will often allow us to get to the root of the problem and peel the difficult emotions fingers back from our hearts. Jesus taught, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What if we applied the concept to ourselves? What if we strove to love our fear rather than berating it? What if we prayed for the pieces of us that are angry rather than pretending that nothing bothers us? What if we learn to bless the parts of us that we think are the ugliest, most shameful? Quietness and a non-judgmental presence are essential starting places as we learn to listen to ourselves.
Actually, they're the essential starting places of learning to listen to anyone. But where do we go from there? Let me suggest three ways, amongst many, that we can work on listening to ourselves. Firstly, if we want to listen to ourselves, we have to listen to our emotions. I recently read an article about a very famous preacher who said he didn't trust his emotions at all. He only listened to his intellect. I grew up in this sort of theology, but I no longer think it's wise or right. God made us with hearts and minds, so why would God only want us to trust our brains? Ignatius of Loyola was a 16th century Spaniard who founded the Jesuit order. One of his primary gifts to Christ's church was his work in understanding the importance of embracing not just our minds, but also our emotions in order to grow spiritually. Ignatius believed God wants us to take our emotions seriously. He asserted that our emotions are indicators of God's presence in our lives. One scholar explained, Ignatius realized that the life of the Spirit, with its gifts of love, joy, peace, and hope, has a strong emotional content, and that is not something to be feared. A fear of or discomfort with emotions may lead us to overemphasize the intellectual aspects of faith, not to mention place a disproportional trust in the powers of our minds to apprehend the deep things of God. If we are new creatures in Christ, with fresh life continuously spirit-breathed into us, then doesn't that mean that our emotions are also being redeemed, rescued from unbridled, quote-unquote, passions, and transformed into healthy indicators of God's presence and of our own internal states? Emotions are indicators of how we're doing. They're not the only barometer of what's going on in us, but they are often helpful in sussing out what's right or wrong. They are also our strong motivators and predictors of how we're going to behave and what decisions we're going to make. Ignoring them is not only unhealthy, it's often pretty futile. I wish I could hand you a checklist to help you listen to your emotions. Alas, it's not that simple. The basic idea is to get to the source of the emotion and gain some understanding about why you feel the way you do. It's not easy. Emotions have varying degrees of intensity and shades of meaning and can come from very old and painful places, writes one author. Getting to the deep layers is a challenge. Further, emotions have layers underneath them. They are indicators pointing at something beyond themselves, namely needs. Negative emotions indicate an unmet need. In every negative feeling, there is a positive need behind it. Friends, sometimes it's helpful to begin the process of listening to your emotions with a counselor. If you feel that would be helpful to you, I would be glad to help you find a trusted mental health professional to speak with. Emotions, though, aren't the only way of listening to ourselves. If we want to listen to ourselves, we also have to listen to our bodies because we experience our emotions in our bodies. For instance, when we're stressed, our shoulders will often be up around our ears. When someone hurts us, we often describe it as a punch to the gut. Crying is one of our body's most obvious physical ways of processing emotions. Yet we often downplay what our bodies are saying to us. Play through the pain, coaches tell us. 
how are you today? You might ask someone and they'll respond, I'm great. Well, except for my arthritis is acting up today. As all good listening is grounded in good questions, here are some questions you can ponder as you try to listen to your body. What gives me energy? What or who drains my energy? When do I feel most alive? When do I feel most exhausted? Are there physical actions or postures that help me pray? What food makes me feel light or energized? What or who do I have a resistance to and why? As we ask our bodies questions, it's also so important to listen for when our bodies are at peace. I've learned that when I'm wrestling with a problem and come to the right decision, my body will suddenly go from being tense to being at ease. Often my mind wants to keep racing ahead, making sure I've considered all the possible outcomes, but my body has already told me where I'm supposed to head, if only my mind would listen. Perhaps, though, the hardest thing to listen to is our questions. We love answers, certainty, control. But it is often in our questions that we find ourselves. The poet Rilke explained the importance of our questions this way. Be patient towards all that is unresolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves, like lock rooms and like books that are now written in a very foreign tongue. Do not now seek the answers, which cannot be given you because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Questions open us. They welcome conversation and community. They require imagination and creativity. They embrace growth and the change that comes with it. Most of it hate, us hate change, but it's as certain as death and taxes. Questions open us up to the change that is inevitably happening within and around us. Questions help us embrace the positive possibilities that change will bring, rather than getting stuck in the anxiety about what we will lose or suffer in the changing. Ultimately, the reason we learn to listen well to ourselves is because in doing so, we learn to love ourselves. We learn to love ourselves not for all the stuff we can accomplish, nor for all the accolades we can accumulate, nor even for all the people we can love. We learn to listen to ourselves so we can love the wonderful and amazing person God made us to be and is helping us become. Spend some time listening to yourself this week. I know we're so busy but I think that makes carving out a few more minutes of quiet all the more important. Listen to your emotions, your body, your questions. If you're in a season like the author of Psalm 80, when all you can ask is, how long, Lord? Don't force yourself to whistle. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Instead, spend some time bringing your raw, honest feelings before God. If you're stressed to the max and your body is telling you it's time for some stillness, rather than insisting God will get me through, slow down. And if you're really filled with the hope, peace, joy, and love of Jesus, then share it. 
gently and kindly, not boastfully or annoyingly, but gently and kindly with those around you. And in doing so, perhaps you can bring a little hope that God really is still listening, that God isn't turning a deaf ear to our prayers, that God will not always make bowlfuls of tears our food, that God will not let our enemies laugh and make jokes at our expense forever. Amen. My friends, thank you for listening today. I quote a couple times in this sermon from The Listening Life by Adam McHugh. I am deeply grateful for that book. As you go um, about the rest of your day, I pray that you will listen to yourself. Listen not just to the loudest and most incessant voices in your head, but take some time for quiet and stillness so that you can listen to your emotions, listen to your body, and especially listen to your questions. And as you do, may God's grace and peace surround you and keep you and love you always. Amen.